Welcome to the Mindful Runner Podcast, a show about running and racing, trail and ultra in South Africa. Along the way, we'll be talking training, gear, nutrition, and mindfulness, all in the context of the South African racing scene. I'm your host, Fred Richardson, founder and head coach at Mindful Runner. Stay tuned as I do my best to give you all the information and none of the waffle. this episode i'm sitting with jack and andrew the brains and the heart and the spirit behind Carcliffe, and hopefully they'll give us the insight on how to run their event and smash 100 miles guys thanks so much for joining us absolutely pleasure. it's an interesting mix andrew and jack how did you guys meet i mean you live in completely different parts of the country and yet here you are putting on one of the most successful events in the country i'd love to hear what andrew thinks how we met i mean this is like a marriage let's let's see if we've got the same story andrew how did we meet a lot of trail runners i meet for the first time uh they they remember it a little more clearly than i do and maybe that's because i'm the race organizer in general and they're the runner and there's only one or or a small number of us and and many of them. So I have to put it down to the first running of Lesotho Ultra, but I don't have a clear recollection of actually meeting Jack and Michelle at that particular race because it was their first Lesotho Ultra in 2013, which um, was was quite an undertaking at that time as it was, kind of like taking on our first 100 miler. But the first crystal clear recollection I have of of, of Jack, and I'll say and Michelle because they often are um, nearly always together, although Michelle's studying overseas at the moment, so, so things have been a bit different. But uh, Cedarburg Traverse, the very first Cedarburg Traverse, sitting at uh, Algeria, absolutely broken. Uh, I withdrew. We all withdrew at the 65K mark of the 100. And, and that was it. We took a little, a little ride back to the start finish. And, and I think that was kind of, they shared their bacon with me, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And you, Jack? Yeah, I think you yeah, on the money. On the money, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lesotho Ultra. I don't know if Lesotho Ultra was before or after that, but yeah, definitely a low moment and consoling ourselves in the bail bus uh, on that freaking drive back from uh, Algeria back to Santrup, I think it's called. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Sitting, sitting in the back there, yeah, commiserating, ra- driving past the runners who are still doing the 100k course and actually having a bit of FOMO, wondering why we actually bailed. But uh, yeah, no, spot on. So, yeah, it was, um, it, was a, it was a meeting on a really tough 100K course. Nothing like suffering for building bonds. Eh? And Cockliffe, how did they come about? I mean, whose brainchild is that? Yeah, brainchild, strong word, hey, because I think it's both our brainchilds. Uh, I think the, the initial, I'll, I will claim the initial idea. I will say that the Cockliffe 100 was actually in my mind. If you go back to the initial briefing, and I wanted to do that because it's on video, and I say there, the first time it ever came to my head, I think was around 2015. And I just 100 mile running was there. And I just thought, Carcliffe, great place. 100, Carcliffe 100, got a ring. The first announcement of it was actually not how we do it nowadays with kind of these bigger, massive um, announcements on social media and stuff. It was, I simply added it to the 2017 calendar in about October. And I remember Trail Mag, uh, Eloise, was like first to, like, uh, what's that? Like, just like, almost as I released it. And so that was end of 2016. But I, I very quickly knew that I couldn't, well, I could try and put it on myself, but I also knew Jack had, had, had run a couple of hundreds and had the knowledge and the insight and the info. So I can't remember exactly when after that, re- releasing that 2017 calendar, but it was very shortly afterwards that I said, come Jack, let's, let, let's do this together. And then at, the end of the year, talking about suffering, the end of the year, so there was the end of, of 2016, we did, Jack, my, Jack myself and, and, and uh, Michelle, what we dubbed the Lower Drakensberg Traverse. So we went from Bushman's Neck to Royal Natal, but not on the top, uh, as much along the contour as possible. And it was those five days of suffering over Christmas and conversations where, I guess, the word brainchild starts to ring louder because that's when we did the thinking, the talking, the discussing, what is this thing? What is it going to be? It was out there now, but we hadn't actually spoken about it to the public too much. There was no website. There was, I don't even think the entries had opened until into January. 
So yeah, end of 2016, I think uh, it was both our brainchild, but that's my end of the story. Andrew was thinking that in his mind in, in 2016, and and I'd, I'd had the privilege of running the Leadville 100 in 2015 and 2016, and I was thinking in the back of my mind, shit, it would be lacquer to, to have a 100-miler, an iconic 100-miler in South Africa, but I'm not an event organizer's ass, and uh, so, h- how do we make this? How do we make this happen? But but I was properly inspired by by what I saw at Leadville. And then yeah, Andrew and I were, were were chatting. I was going to a bunch of these races. I helped out at the Ultra 2014, 2015, 2016 at the aid station. So I was kind of starting to you know see the back end and the I guess the, the underbelly of trail running and, and and events. And I started Trail Lab, which was an experiential business to basically teach people trail running a bit. And so I was, I was certainly in that mindset of trying to put something on. And, and I guess being a, being a diehard comrades runner at that stage, I was like, okay, cool. As South Africans, we, we're always looking for the next, the next big thing, right, to test ourselves. 89 Ks isn't enough. So, so what next? And I arrived back from America um, with all these ideas of grandia. Andrew will know, like, uh, you know, like I, I, I like to find the best in the world, and then we try and you know emulate that because uh, you know emulation is the is the highest form of flattery in my mind. And 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 but Leadville was a a sample of one, but Africa was absolutely awesome. And so I said to Andrew, he said like, "Oh, Jibza, you know, I live in Howick, it's absolutely beautiful. You know, I want to put on a hundred miler." I was like, "Well, cheapers, you know. I mean, I've been to Leadville; it's a very similar sort of setup." why don't we do it in the backyard? Andrew's like, yeah, totally. I'm sure we can find a hundred miles worth of trail in, in and around Howick and in and around the car turf. And so it was kind of like the convergence of two minds. Yeah. Serendipious that it, that it happened in the Drakensberg because we did have five, five cool days to kind of unpack it and build it and build and, 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 and share my experiences from Leadville with Andrew and, and him to share his experiences of what it takes to put on a trail run to kind of conceptualize it. And, I think out of, out of the back on the 31st of December, we kind of came out of that going, yeah, oh, shit, this, this, can, this can happen, this can work. So, yeah, I think it was a bit of a convergence, but yeah, definitely uh, very, very much born in the Drakensberg. Yeah, I remember tracking you guys, well, following you guys when you were doing that um, lower bird run. I love the area as well, and you guys encountered a couple of little uh, trail problems there. <laughs> Every now and then, the trail just disappears on you, right? Yeah, especially at that time of year with it being so green and overgrown and everything. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of it. Huh? I think we, I think we're both on the money there. So you know, you got the event, and you've talked it through. Why the out and back? Yeah, yeah. Leadville's an out and back. I mean, maybe maybe I'll I'll kick off on that one. I came back from Leadville, right, and I was like, Shit, if we're going to do this thing, like 100 miles is a long way to 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 organize it's a lot of logistics Andrew's going like I don't really want to have to mark 100 miles worth of course 160k's and I'm like well this out and back that we did at Leadville was so absolutely magnificent because it kept everyone in the in the in the game as in runners spectators supporters all of that and I was like well why don't we just do an out and back as as per level it seems to work for them it's the most popular 100 mile race in in America and Andrew was like, "Yeah, cool. That that makes absolute sense. We've only got to, we've only got to organise half the amount of logistics rather than trying to organise a hundred percent of the logistics. And it's it's certainly not half the amount of work. That's for sure. But uh, but it, it, it's you can double up on aid station. You can double up on course markings, and you can double up on a bunch of stuff. So it was conceptualised off the back of what I'd experienced at Leadville. I think it's fair to say that Andrew, you, you, you're welcome to disagree, but but I think it really was because because I went to Leadville and Leadville's this absolutely incredible community. It's this little mountain town, three thousand meters above sea level, and they all come together over over, over the course of this week. And, and and you see everyone arrive in this town and it's buzzing, and then they all head off out, and it's just supported along the way. And 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 I said to Andrew, the best thing about it was that it wasn't like a traditional South African trail run where you get sent off into the mountains and you get given a GPS and you, your, your tracker falls out your pack, like you explained to us earlier, Fred, and you, you hope to get tracked or you hope not to get tracked whichever way you look at it. And, and you pop out again like 10 hours later where Leadville, like, there were spectators all the way along the way. There was, there was aid stations all the way. It was really like a trail running experience with 
the opportunity for your family and friends to share in it and the community to share in it. And I was like, geez, that, that really fired me up. And I said to Andrew, well, that kind of worked. Like, how do you build a, a course that allows for that? And I, you know, I put that obviously into Andrew's skill set of designing courses and, and his knowledge of, of the Carcliffe Valley. And yeah, we kind of got this, this cool out and back course. I think that that's possibly where you guys have done things quite differently to how the other courses have, have evolved in the sense that you knew the concept that you wanted to put together and then you had to fit it onto terrain, right, Andrew? We had two things, in fact, three things. One in year one was that it was a 100-mile race, and that's actually uh, morphed slightly for a variety of reasons that we now have a lot of. We even considered not putting the 50 in. We, we thought, let's go pure 100. But then the out and back, kind of the stepping stone, the 50 was just too tempting to also just beef up the numbers. But, but we really wanted to go quite pure, 100-mile race. That, that's what it was about. The, the, the second piece was, was, was getting the people involved. How, how do we get the community involved? How, get them to the aid stations. Uh, get, get them to all of those kind of, kind of places and, and, and make sure that they are as involved as possible. And, and that it's not just us who's, who's chasing the field, setting up the aid stations. It's their crews as well as, you know, volunteers. Easy access. So that was the second piece. And then the third piece was, was to try and create a runnable course that didn't have, say, over, well, it was about three and a half, four thousand meters of climbing that didn't have any, too many sections that were ridiculously challenging. And, and I think that's kind of, over the years, we've drifted slightly from that. And, and like this year, for example, I think we produced our hardest course kind of by accident. It wasn't the intention. It wasn't like we were going out there to make the course harder. The venue moved and, and, and those kind of things shifted. So, yeah, I think when we went out, we had a very clear vision, 100 miles, community involvement, runnable. And in a way, it's been challenging to stick to those as the race has morphed. But, yeah, you're right. We went, through, we went out with a clear vision. And, and in the first year, we, we executed that pretty well. So I think that, that and, and then the inclusion of the community, and, and I know that's a, 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 something you're very interested in, but I think that in year one was especially obvious because we didn't actually nail our, we didn't even have a media plan, to be honest. We focused so much on logistics and so much on just making sure that everything ran smoothly. We had one photographer, and but because of the whole community around the race, they became our, our media team, like de, uh, de facto. And they documented it. They were putting it on social media. They were telling everybody. So the race actually became quite easy to, to engage with, not because of us, but because of the runner's crew, everyone who was around it. And I think that's what's one thing that holds it in really good stead is that we don't even try to control that piece too much. Obviously, we can't have people running around all over the place. So we send out a very clear booklet of where you can and can't go on the course. But they really like having that, uh, those crews, those paces, those people there, it, giving them a, a degree of freedom to, 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 to go and do their thing out there. Uh, one does rely on them perhaps being sensible, which as the race grows is a concern that people might start doing silly things like running onto private land, et cetera. But it really does um, make the running and organizing and not physical running, but the organizing and, and the logistics of the race much more smooth and much easier. So, so rather than trying to hold those people at bay and do it all ourselves, we, we actually welcome them in and their supporters made the race what it is. My first encounter with the race was through social media, actually, in that first event, watching some of my friends posting, because they were seconding, posting um, what was going on. I think it was, that was the coldest and wettest cartwheel you had as well so far. You guys love pacing. How does that change the dynamic of the race from an organizational point of view? Because you've now doubled up your numbers potentially and you've got runners swapping in and out. And- yeah, uh, I don't know if Jack wants to have a stab, but he's being quiet. There. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a stab. I mean, obviously it, it, it's got its pros and cons, but the pros firmly outweigh the cons. Like, yes, there is a logistical element where we, we've got to, we, we've got to look after whatever it is, 150, 160, 100 mile runners or whatever it might be. So, yeah, so, so the, the fact is that you, you do have a responsibility of, a, of doubling the field. The pros of it are just, are just so, so outweigh that where you're giving the opportunity to, to a runner to, to run with their best mate, their wife, their husband, their boyfriend, their girlfriend. You, you're exposing the race to other people. Uh, you're creating a pipeline of, of, of people to fall in love with the, the, the race and the brand and to experience it and experience it, even a little tidbit of it or a potentially a 50K section of it and what have you. 
so so from that perspective like the, it, the exposure that it gives the race is 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 invaluable and then from a race organizer point of view from a safety point of view it, it really helps us because you've got you've done a bunch of hundred milers uh, fred i've done them like at the back end you've pretty much don't know what the hell you're doing yourself you know and so from a safety and perspective it's really nice to have someone there that can feed you can guide you can potentially make a phone call if you're in touch and 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 we've got comms with a person who's lucid and and sane in the middle of the night to find out actually what's going on out on the course so yeah like from from a from an exposure point of view it's hugely beneficial to to just to just build the race and 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 then from a, a safety perspective it's it just really really helps us and from a racing perspective it adds a really cool dimension as well right you know i remember in that first year i think it was benny was like his pacer was taking phone calls from like his mate out on the course to get like time gaps back from behind the other guys and all sorts of stuff was going on you know it was it was really really cool from that perspective so it, it adds a dimension really let me let me add because it's an interesting one that was leading uh it was start and finish in Howick that year obviously the first year coming in on the the west of black eagle trail and, and they hadn't glanced behind too many at all. They, they, they were quite comfortable that, that, that Benny was leading and there were only a few Ks out. But Andrew Erasmus, the second place in this race now three times, and this was his first one, is coming through the field really strongly. And that year we did have uh, proper um, GPS trackers on them. Uh, Benny's crew noticed this. So phone the pacer, the pacer picked up the phone looked over his shoulder and there Andrew Erasmus was was within a kilometer charging them down. So had they not made that phone call, had the pace not been there, had the tracker not been there, um, that information wouldn't have come to light and Benny probably would have been caught by Andrew and we would have had a, a bit of a sprint finish. But um, that information kind of came to light and, and they were able to respond to it and, and Benny put the foot down and, and, and got to the line a few minutes before. But yeah, I guess that's part of the race is that information is much more available. You're not stuck out in the mountains, relying completely on yourself. And your pacer brings that info closer. You know, we ask for no muling and that sort of stuff. And I guess the way we're handling it at the moment is, is, is fairly uh, freely. You have to sign up uh, as a pacer. You've got to sign your indemnity, et cetera. But uh, where you get on and off the course, as long as it's an official viewpoint or, or aid station or, or caravan aid station, as you call them, it's up to them. We don't then go and control all, all of that. So we allow some some freedom there. And I guess as the race grows, my only concern, and, and, and this is not a, a nice one, but people might start to use that to their advantage to try and try and win the race, to to mule, to to just push the the, the rules of the race, uh, which at this stage in trail running, I think is, is is not happening in South Africa. But but yeah, it's always a concern in sports when people lose sight of maybe or, or, or different things are important to them. And, that's the only thing is if people start to manipulate it to their advantage and use it not so much as a safety thing and, and a thing to have some company, but but to their advantage to try and win the race and, and, and push the rules. But, but yeah, otherwise, I think it's uh, uh, a really cool element of the race, brings a huge amount of safety. And and um, yeah, there's, I can list many examples of when the paces got involved and, and a assisted uh, a situation that could have been a lot worse had there not been. You're always going to have that risk of muling, but you have channels and there are ways to deal with that, right? I mean, there's complaint systems and, and such. That's really all you can do. Correct. So you guys are both experienced ultra runners, 100 milers, lots of running in South Africa, and Jackie run overseas. How's that shaped your own experiences? How's that shaped how the event has, has evolved? Jack had run 100 before we put on the first one. I hadn't. So I, I felt giving that first race briefing a little at a little bit of a distance or disadvantage. Like I couldn't speak right to what it's like and, and what, what might go on out there. It was only, what, 2018 I, I ran my first. I'm just trying to time this in my head. Race started in 2017. So by the second uh, uh, race, I, I had run one and, and, and then bring that experience, which which made me feel giving those briefings afterwards, just being able to talk to the distance. And, and, and because I, I think 100 milers, 100 mile distance before you've actually done one, that your mind can't imagine what it takes. That's what I found. So yeah, that experience has, has, has allowed us to um, understand what you go through and what your requirements are, what, what you, your really low moments feel like and, and what perhaps makes someone continue. 
and and yeah, I think you know one interesting thing that's come out of Jack's recent running, and and I'll, I'll speak for him here, is that being he, he being at the front uh, of some of the races and and understanding what it's like being in a racing mentality of of a hundred miler, and, and then responding to that from an organizing point of view. So making sure that those you know that it's not uncommon that the first runner arrives in an aid station on an ultra and they're not really 100% ready for that runner. They're, they're still kind of getting ready. And now that runner is actually your fastest runner. So it needs to, has the most requirements in, in many ways. So to be able to, 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 to kind of uh, service that runner through, through the aid station nice and quickly and, and meet their requirements just as much as you meet the requirements of the middle and last runners, uh, which obviously by then the, 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 the aid station's in full flow. I think is something that's that's come through quite strongly. So, so being able to 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 really make sure that the course is is prepared well and and ready for all the different types of runners who are engaging in it for all their different reasons, because it's obviously very different for those who are racing up front and want to move really quickly through everything. It comes to marking as well, you know, making marking very clear, not having to rely on on, on watching the GPS and that sort of stuff. For those front runners, I think makes a massive difference, and for the back runners. But, but yeah, I guess we had a lot of experience in organising shorter events uh, before this, so so we didn't, as KZN Trail Running, come in with a lack of of that type of experience. But yeah, certainly taking it into a race that just runs for thirty six hours nonstop was was another level. And and being runners, um, yeah, you you know what the requirements are. Or some of the requirements are, and you can get into the head of the runner at perhaps different stages and go, okay, that would actually be quite a good thing to do at this point. And I, I guess the caravan aid stations were, were, were introduced in uh, 2019 with exactly that, that thinking. You realize if this gets really hot, and and uh, which exactly it, it did for the first time in 2019, we're going to get caught short with a, an aid station only every 10 miles. So, so yeah, that type of thinking, I guess we preempted and, and we're rather than responding to 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 potential disasters, we we were a step ahead and and putting those things in because we understood what it took to run it. Even though neither of us actually ran this course yet. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with Andrew. I think the other thing that you know part of your question was like your running experience has shaped the event. I think like for me, I, I realized that a hundred miles is 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 incredibly difficult to to finish for for anyone and 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 part of my my first hundred mile experience was unfortunately michelle not finishing level because she got hypothermia at 125 k's and shaping a race that makes it attainable for everyone across the field was really important to me and andrew touched on it earlier around like a really runnable course and not so much elevation and well marked and well supported like like I always said, like 100 miles is a bloody long way and it's hard. Like whether it's a 100-mile track race, whether it's 100 miles on a backyard ultra, whether it be 100 miles through, you know, the Mont Blanc, like it's hard. And so why make it even harder? Like life's tough as it is right now. Like I really want people to like, you know, live their dreams and and and, and get their goals. And that goes for me as well. Like it's certainly not going to be easy, but 100 miles is never going to be easy. So like, it actually doesn't matter, but I, but I want to have the finish rate that's very high and be proud of that. Not not be proud of a finish rate that's at forty percent to go. Yeah, cool, we succeeded. That's that's that for me. That's that's not the right approach. Like a finish rate of eighty or ninety percent goes. Yeah, cool, we've done, we've done a good job. There's you know ninety percent of the field have got a buckle and they're, they're proud of their um, their journey. So yeah, that was that was me. You know when I, when I started running ultras and and running you know all those years back like. You know, I was a, I was a podgy hundred, hundred, hundred kg, you know, runner that ran, you know, eleven and a half hour comrades, and, and and so like, you know, as you grow in the sport, you realize you want to be able to achieve some goals, and making this goal achievable for the running community for me was was very important. I think you know, as a, as a coach, one of the things that we try and do, especially for hundred mile distance, as you say, Jack, it's it's a it's just mind boggling running hundred miles is try and take out as much uncertainty as possible because it's the uncertainty that adds additional stress. And you guys have done that. By the nature of the course, you remove a lot of the uncertainty, good marking. Those aid stations, those caravan aid stations, oh, what a brainchild. Those were, those have just added a, another dimension because we know if it's really hot, at least the runners can get taken care of. There's ice at those stations, water. So, And, and if you don't run these kinds of distances, you don't necessarily 
come up with that stuff intuitively. You guys are always innovating. I mean, year on year, there's been improvements. There's been improvements in the course. There's been changes in in aid stations. You had live coverage for the first time this year. How did that go? Did you get a lot of people watching? You know, my, my, my thing with, with, with tech and, and media and all of that is like the race itself is, 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 is your is your showroom for, for, for the next years, right? And, and that's a combination of, of, of a running experience for the runners on the course. And obviously it's their be all end all. But, but essentially it's your, it's your marketing platform to, to get more people involved in, in years to come, right? And, and we, we've seen great leaps and bounds in live broadcast and bringing the sport to, to the community during, in particular like over COVID because we were doing things like this and live talks and everyone was, everyone was, you know, was accessible. And, and so again, like, why don't we make the race accessible to people who can't necessarily be on the course? And, and so the, the live, the live broadcast was, was really cool. You know, like with all things, when you're pushing the boundary and particularly in technology, like it's, it's ever evolving. Like you, you're going to build a website, but you're always changing your website and improving and improving. And, and the same thing with the live broadcast. I, I think we did really, really well from, from a numbers point of view. I actually, I haven't gone back and had a look at the numbers to see, see where we where we actually stacked up in actual numbers but my gauge was around whatsapps and messages i got from people around the world who wouldn't wouldn't have necessarily engaged in the race but sent a message going hey it's so cool to see the race and be able to follow it in in bits and pieces so like from that perspective i thought it was a real success i i really liked the way we had our anchors um in in studio and linda and kieran are both very knowledgeable and passionate about running albeit from sort of two different viewpoints, but that was that was intentional. And obviously with tech, like you're reliant on a whole lot of stuff that's out of our control, like cell signal, like power and all of that kind of cool stuff, which which certainly keeps you on the on your toes. Um so yeah, there were there, there were, were certainly, you know, teething problems and and it is ever evolving. But but being able to click onto your phone and, and watch on the app or or on YouTube the last few kilometers of whoever it is like running into the finish was just yeah it was absolutely it was an absolute thrill for me it was it was really really cool so yeah in in my mind i thought it was it, it, it was a real step in the right direction um yeah and that's that kind of innovation stuff like i, I really want to i really want to keep on pushing while at the same time still maintain the integrity of the race and what andrew and i have tried to create and it goes back to like the question of your running experiences shaping the race where you know, there's a place in the market where Carcliffe fits in quite nicely, and it's certainly not a, a UTCT or a Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, which is big and professional and sponsored and just like expos and this and that, and and which and there's a place for that, and it's absolutely magnificent. But Carcliffe kind of fits nicely in the middle, you know, and it's 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 got a it's 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 got a really earthy, grungy community-based feel to it and we certainly don't want to lose that but you want to be able to at least put that experience out to the people i, I think the innovations that we do certainly we want to we want to maintain the core values of the race um while at the same time just bringing it to the people so like live was a was a real success for us um yeah it it, it really was it was cool the the thing that so many people like perhaps miss is the fact that when you go live as you did and you say you've got international audiences following you're the the sharp end of tourism into South Africa, into the region, into saying, look, in South Africa, there's races being run and they're being, you know, there's there's these ultra events going on, and there's lots of ultra runners around the world looking now for more exciting destinations and different places to run. And 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 the, the emails that I've received over the course of the last few weeks from 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 various people around the world saying, hey, I mean, I received three like, hey, we saw your race online and we watched a bit of it like we're doing a research paper on xyz and we're doing a research paper on abc we'd love to be able to you know get some info or chat to your runners or what have you you know obviously they're realizing that there's a there's a captive audience there but but those 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 emails would never have come if it wasn't for yeah for the live exactly class, which is yeah cool. so that's a, a wonderful spin-off and all of the other events around the country will also benefit from that kind of international exposure it's a good showcase yeah i think on the technology we've always Fred's right. We've always uh, tried to adopt new technology and and see what we can we can do uh, both in terms of the live, the tracking, the app, and, and every now and again it's it's blown up. But I guess that's kind of part of of, of pushing the limits. Is that you're not always going to get it right. 
And um, when you when you get it wrong, it's going to blow up in your face. And and that tends to happen. Yeah, I think I think in this country, uh, tracking live timing uh, is, is is a tricky one because of our comms um, and 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 the way the the technology is currently set up and geared just doesn't deal well with patchy comms, which the certain parts of the Kharkiv area have. But that's no excuse. We, we're going to keep pushing the the limits there and find ways that that really allow um, runners uh, and to be tracked and followed and, and and watched more and more and more. And and I think we've always been on that trajectory and it's, it's people are certainly responding in a positive way. And, and this year's live was, was so far the, the pinnacle of that. And, and we're certainly going to be taking it uh, even further moving forward. Well, it's, it's, it's more in Jack's world than it is mine. So yeah, I, I basically my answer there is yes, we're pushing the limits. We're going to continue to, we're going to find some awesome stuff, but we're also going to make the odd mistake along the way. Yeah, there's there's also the sense, and I think uh, Jack, you touched on it. There's a sense of you're organising the event, and you're organising the event, and then you hit the start gun, and then the event takes over, right? It's, you're no longer driving it; it's now driving you. And then, if you bring the media and you put the media on top of the show, it's not again; it's not driving the show; it's just spectating. At a- yeah, it's got a life of its own, and and, and that's really comes back to some of the previous questions uh, about the inclusion of the. The, the community and, and and everybody else around that race. That's what creates that life of its own. And and yeah, you do. You literally have to let go and let it let it start playing, and then it becomes a response uh, a game. So 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 everything's in place. That start gun goes, and then you just respond to 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 what happens. Yeah. I've been around and supporting on I think three cartloops now. And what I've noticed is the courses got friendlier and friendlier from a spectator and a supporter's point of view. Is that intentional? Yeah, definitely. And and I think in year the first years, uh we didn't throw out okay, we're also running out of Howick then. We didn't throw out every single possible viewpoint and and we didn't make everything that was possible available at that point because we didn't want to kind of spread it too much. And and obviously each time we open up a new dirt road or, or get permission for, for spectators to go to a new point is it opens up potential for, for, for other things to go wrong in the muddy years people have got stuck and, and that sort of stuff. But, but yes, as we get more confident with, with, with the layout of the course and, and we find more opportunities, we've, we've definitely made an effort to include more and more uh, of those points to the point this year where we pretty much said, Look, once they're on to, to the open public roads uh, past uh, Rockwood, between Rockwood and, and the Kharkiv Country Club and surrounds, it's it's fairly open game. So as long as you are on a public road, uh, you can support your, your your runner from that public road. Yeah, and I think there's still lots of little pieces and tidbits that, that we can continue to add. We're we by no means done, I think, on that front. I, I think there's, there's there's more to come. Yeah, I think Jack and I have shared an experience at a race where we're basically being, as spectators, being chased away from the course and away from participating, for want of a better word. I mean, it's not, and that never sits well with the spectators. They they definitely are part of the course, the, the friends, the family. Um, you guys have you've really focused on getting the community involved and on aid stations and, and stuff like that. Are those all locals? It's a big combination of of people. Um, we've got some. For example, the Southern Load Star Foundation uh, have actually been part of the race from from the beginning because um, Andre Redinger, who, who is the, the the chairperson of the foundation uh, and, and the founder, um, ran the very first race and came second to last. There's, there's, a, there's, there's a story, there's a film called Hundred Mile Horizon, which uh, I think everyone should watch. It's 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 it's, it has an impact and, and, and it's about Andre's first race. And then from the second race, to, you know, in, in all sorts of different ways. And, and they now man the turning point. So, so that's, uh, we get to, we aim for, for groups to try and try and man the main aid stations. Uh, so the Southern Lodestar Foundation uh, was there. We had the uh, Carcliffe Conservancy at the Mborna Gate. Um, we had what uh, Carla and, and Su Yen, that's a challenge accepted, um, uh, is what they go by at, at Mborna. Um, Rockwood, we actually just manned ourselves because uh, it wasn't uh, accessible to crews and spectators this year. And then, yeah, the 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 main aid, the aid station at, at the Cartier Country Club was Pirates Road Running Club. So we try to get bigger groups of people coming in and, and taking the big aid stations. Then we put a general call out for volunteers um, for the race. And that's 
brings in between 20 and 30 normally. So not a huge group, but but you don't want to be managing a huge group either. But about 30 people just putting up their hands fairly randomly from mainly KZN, but equally uh, other places around the country um, or, or sometimes even attached to a runner. But in general, if you're there with a the runner, you, you're part of their crew and, and you're not crewing generally with us. So, you know, we've got our, our solid groups that are coming back year after year after year, but then there's always another layer who, who are coming for their first time and, and just want to get involved as volunteers uh, on the ground. Um, good to hear that that, that it's, uh, and I did get it this year, so many comments about how, how friendly everybody is. And, and of course, we we don't control that. <laughs> it just happens. And, and it's so good to hear that, that that's the atmosphere out on course. But it does trickle down from you guys, the, the fact that you are that you are creating that sense of community. That's It, it comes from, yeah, it, it filters down from you. It, it was a, a marvelous experience this year. You know, volunteerism is, is, is an amazing thing. And we don't do enough of it in South Africa, unfortunately. And um, it's, it's a dying, it's a dying thing as well. But um yeah, you know, you need to have some momentum in that, and and yeah, it's uh, it's difficult because so many things rely on people volunteering, and and the more people can get experienced, you know, experience you know environments like this, the more they'll put their hands up and go, hang on a second, it's actually cool. Even if I've just got four hours, let me come along and just we can dish out some soup or whatever it might be. Like, it's really important that that continues and. It's that sense of Ubuntu, isn't it, that uh, we're so good at in this country. And, and I think it's the responsibilities on us as race organizers to lay the table and give the opportunity for people to come and give of their time. Because everyone's looking for an opportunity to give time, money, charity, what have you. But, but people are quite scared to go and do it off, off their own. You know, as soon as, you, as soon as someone said to you, he has a charity to go and contribute and give away your, your old running shoes, yes, folks are there. But... But if they don't know that, then they stock all their running shoes in the cupboard for 20 years, you know. And the same thing with, with this race, like creating a, laying the table for volunteerism to come forward and people then realize, oh, hang on a second. Yeah, cool. There is somewhere I can come and help and contribute and learn and grow and what have you. So, yeah, it's long may it continue um, because it, it's, it's, it's really essential for, for humankind as well. Pure volunteerism is about exactly that. It's about putting your time uh, into somebody else's hands or space or, or whatever it is uh, for, 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 and, and to expect no return. It's, 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 it's not a, and, and I've made the mistake of, of thinking people want to come for something more than just to volunteer and be like, Oh, let's add in a shirt. Let's add in this. And there are a few extras, but, but the point is, 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 is I, I had an exchange with someone who I kind of offered them. So I said, well, if you volunteer, you know, maybe, we can give, and, and they stopped me and they said, I'm coming to volunteer. I'm not coming to get your things. And I, I think that's quite important at the end of the day is that volunteerism, pure volunteerism is, is, is about, you do get something back, but it's not material. What you get back is soulful. It's something that is meaningful. It's, it's, it's not a material piece. And, and those are the kind of volunteers that, that I think give that level of, I don't want to call it service, but enthusiasm at those stations because they're very, there for very pure reasons. And then that starts to filter through. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, being at an aid station at three o'clock in the morning and, and seeing Sue Yen smiling and handing out soup and and having fun is just, it's uplifting. It's uplifting for the runners coming in. And I, I often think the volunteers don't really realize how much of an impact they have for runners because the runners really remember that. Yeah, you get that feedback afterwards, but I think in the moment they don't because they're going from runner to runner. But but sure, uh, they they there's definite stories that many stories that have come off the course over these last five years now, where an unknown volunteer or a runner has come into an aid station and, and had an engagement with a person previously unknown that then helped them finish the race. And and if it wasn't for those little chats that they had with these people who they actually don't know but they have a lot of trust and faith in simply because of their situation. And, and that's, that's not common to find those situations in the world today, that you can step into a space that you know that you can pretty much have trust your life with the people around you, even though you don't know. Yeah, the beauty of, of ultra running. We, we've touched on a, a lot of things, but this year you guys brought the trail festival and it may have been accidental because of COVID forcing things on you, but it turned out really successful. Are you going to be taking that forward? It, it was funny, you know, when we 
when we kind of discussed like growing the brand a bit and growing the the race and and let me take you back a step like something that that Andrew and KZNTR have done exceptionally well over the last 10 years that they've been operating is that they've they've created this this pipeline of feeding runners up to pinnacle and and unfortunately in South Africa pinnacle is like long distance right it's not necessarily running really fast at 5k's but everyone kind of like gravitates towards running 100 miles but but what Andrew's done really well is he's put on a series of races across the country and across KZN in particular that that allows for people to go and run a 5k at Hilton College and then run a 10k at Wessa and then run a 20k at Mgeni Valley and then run a 38k at Lesuku Ultra and then run a 40 at DMT and so on and so forth. So this this pipeline grows and, and you've seen it over the years where you've had this, literally you've seen people, a 10-year-old who's run a 5k at Hilton eight years ago and he's now running a 40k at DMT. Like those people are there. And, and I was really inspired by that because it's a, it's a, it's a development pipeline in, in, in a way, right? And, and so I said to Andrew, like we, we, because the brand is growing quite, quite well and it's establishing itself, like you need to create that within the brand itself. And so why not put on a series of races over the course of the year to keep us relevant throughout the entire year, right? And, 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 and I thought we did that quite well. We had the Backyard Ultra, which is a really cool and fun weekend. Um, and and unfortunately, quite short because it's tough to put that event on. Um, but but then yeah, then we thought, okay, cool, let's have something in June to keep the love going and keep the brand relevant. And then we were going to have the camp stroke stage race in August, and then build up to to um, the big dog um, in uh, in September. And then obviously COVID happened, so we were like, okay, well, let's put it all together on one weekend. It's always a long weekend. It's great touch wood we can get our numbers and waves and 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 get lucky again in that space and which we did i re- i originally said to andrew probably like before the marathon was meant to happen i was like you know what would be really cool is to actually grow this thing so that eventually in a few years time we actually have them all on one weekend um and i think we were actually sitting in a lounge here and we were speaking about it and and then it just kind of happened because it happened with covid and yeah it was it was a, a pretty good success and it Again, it built the community and it, it, it allowed everyone to come along and do something on the weekend active, which was really cool. So, yeah, I mean, we haven't like officially like discussed it, and, but, but in principle, yeah, totally. I would love to put those all on again next year over the same long weekend. Definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Even, even, you know, we add, add the, the, the concept of adding distances to, to the, the 100 mile a weekend. Um, as you said, it happened a little bit by accident this year. Um, and 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 worked really well. It, it it pushed us in certain regards because now we had a whole lot of extra races to to lay over what we were already doing on a new course. But um, it, it 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 overall was 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 really successful. And and to to plan it like that from the beginning with with some shorter courses um, uh, on the Saturday uh, as well as the fifty miler is 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 an obvious future for the race. But exactly what distances and how we combine it. Uh, I think that's what we'll look at re- really closely, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, we will make some announcements uh, uh, soon on those, no doubt. Yeah, I think it was the finish line, that festival nature. You know, if you've got the hundred going out, you've got the fifty going out. There's a long time in between while you wait for them from start to when they return. Right, the first run is coming in, but now with all these different distances going on, there's action happening all the time. So the the finish start line area was just a buzz the whole during the the entire weekend. Mm, which is exactly what you want for a, 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 a an event like this, hundred percent. Yeah, and I've I've saved this last question for 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 last, and it's it is diabolical. Somebody came up with this: the fifty miler and the hundred miler come into the finish line, and then they have to go out for sixteen k's on the last loop. Whose brainchild was that? So so we had decided to move the race to the Carcliffe Country Club, uh, and we loved our out and back course. Uh, and it wasn't hard to link into that because the the out and back course uh, uh, went f- fairly close to the country club, although we never actually used it in the previous course. Um, uh, but we were going to be short because we were already quite far outside Howick, and, and Howick uh, uh, obviously was not going to work anymore. We looked at all our options and how we, where we were going to find these extra 10 miles. And, and at one stage, I think we were going to kind of loop quite far back towards Howick and then come into it. And, and, and I can't actually say when, who, if it was Jack or myself either, because 
I don't know, we have so many conversations and so many ideas and, and obviously not all of them come to fruition, but we're like, well, why don't we bring it back here? And then the aid stations here and like logistically my mind just went, whoop, that's, that's, a, that's a great idea logistically, but how is it going to sit with the runners? Because I know what it's like to get back and to, to see uh, and see something or to hear that music, to get close. We often come uh, in for flack when we do bring a course too close to the finish and then send it out again and come. But now we're not just bringing it close, we're bringing it right in. And I think that's actually what's made it work was that we didn't, we didn't just come close over there and then they kind of sensed it. You saw it, you were, you were 10 meters away from it. And, and, and it was going to work in one or two of two ways. It was either going to be, um, when you saw that finish line, and then when I say that it's for the individual, you're either going to see that finish line and be like so disheartened because you still have to run 10 miles, or perhaps you're going to see someone finish their race and you're going to be from a point of like not feeling so lucky. You're like, I, I want to be that person in 10 miles. So equally, there was the chance that it had the opposite effect. And in, in the feedback, we got exactly that. Some people like were really motivated by seeing it and quite excited to come back there be in that buzz and and then go out again while other people were a bit devastated because they still had 10 miles to do and and it, it was a bit of a a mind game for them so you know it is what is it it is what it is at the end of the day uh, logistically it's, it's it's amazing because you get to to touch base with the course really closely at the start finish for, for the whole um a crew and you know kind of where people are are, are are, are in the field from from early on and then when it gets to the very late stages as, as well you know how they spread and, and, and what's going on um but yeah it's it, it, it again it wasn't like we did it to create that uh uh as you would use the word diabolical you know it wasn't it, it, the initial piece was logistics and, and i guess that's nearly always kind of the initial thought but but it had these unintended consequences are you going to take the blame for it, Jack? Because because Andrew doesn't want yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> am I skirting it? No, totally. Uh, I, I, I tell you, the the one piece of logistics that that drove it quite hard was the fact that we had curfew, right? And curfew meant that the crew could not move around. But what it did mean is that essentially everyone would be back into the country club by eleven p.m., which was curfew at the time, and then the crew could potentially bed down at the country club until 4 a.m., bearing in mind they couldn't go to Rockwood anymore because that was closed to the public. So it kind of worked really well that we kept everyone there and tried to keep the spectators there until 11 p.m., which it did work. You know, I was out on course after that, and, you know, I crapped on one guy driving around at 12.30 trying to find his runner, but that was it. Everyone else was either at Rockwood, um, either at, at, at the country club or at, at Bushwiller, actually, and funny enough, a bunch of people sleeping at BNV as well. But but that was one of the logistical things was how do we how do we manage our way around curfew? So yeah, and then and then the, I mean we had some debates about where do you put the aid station, right? I mean, at one stage we were like, do we put it out on the road so they don't come in? And then and then that logistical thing came came through and it was like, no, hang on a second, like this this is gonna be real. And it's kind of is, I guess it is kind of like Barclay-esque or Laz-esque or what have you, it is kind of taunting in a way but but I, I i guarantee you fred and, and you, you'll be good you'll know a lot of this because you know a lot of the runners like if you ask every single runner and i really would i just want to put a little question out to the runners like who thought it was an absolutely awful idea i doubt anyone's going to put their hand up and go that was a terrible idea guys scrap that i think everyone loved it when they were in it beforehand you go cheese oh it's like what are you thinking but you came in there everyone's sitting on the deck at the country club having a few beers they can hear andrew's voice they can they can sense it, and it, it, it did so much more building than breaking down. I, I really believe it's it, it was it's a really really positive aspect to the race, and um, so yeah, I think I think yeah we can we can both claim it. Um, yeah, there's certainly certainly not, we have to claim it anyway. But but it was it it certainly wasn't intentional to say hey let's bring it back past the club to test the runners' metal. It 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 wasn't it wasn't one of those. Um, uh, and, and and deep in my mind, Fred, I'll tell you a story. In 2012, I think it was, I, I ran my first sky run, and I did not have a clue what I was doing. Like, really, I did not have a clue. I, I, I rocked up at sky run. My only previous trail run was the Four Peaks, Mormon's Hook Four Peaks. And, and sky run's got that knack of attracting novices. 
every year somehow. I don't know how they get it right, but it's cool. So I pitched up there. I got given this GPS thing that which didn't have batteries and you're in Lady Grey and no one told you to bring batteries in 2012. So I went to the cafe and I got those black and black and silver ever ready batteries. You know, those like like they're probably like two bucks a battery. Okay, cool. So I got batteries. I go do Skyrim. Um, I go over the wall and I, yes, and um, I don't know what time it was. It was dark. My GPS dies. I can't see any lights in front of me. I can't see any lights behind me. The only lights I can see is the Warchild Country Club, which is about a kilometer down the way there. And I just say, stop this. And I walk across to the Warchild Country Club. I give Mike de Haas my, my, at those days, you had those like, what do you call them? Those vests or whatever. He gave him my vest and said, stuff you, give me a beer rather. And um, so I've been there and I've done, I've done that. And I certainly didn't want to make that like, I didn't want that to be the art, the outcome of this. It was the total opposite. It was meant to inspire um, when we decided that it was happening. Yeah. So, because uh, it, can, it can it can do the total opposite. But uh, yeah, I think if you ask everyone in the race, was it a good idea? I think people will absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I certainly love it. And, and I agree with you. I think that the majority would, would, would agree with you. And Having that extra yes, that extra spurt as you come in is like it's a it is a boost. I'm sure there look, I know there were one or two guys who went, okay, I'm done now. I'm not going any further. But they deeply regret that now. I'm sure they do. Um I think for most people it's type two fun, you know. It's a case of, well, I remember it being much more fun than when I was in the moment. So yeah, that I think that'll that'll stay. Oh yeah, definitely. Please don't remove that. It's 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 going to be a real feature. I think it's going to be one of one of the the other Carcliffe signatures, along with the friendliness and the community. Is like that last sixteen k's, man. That's the hard part. Guys, thank you. I could keep on chatting for the rest of the morning, but I know you've got last eleven things to do. No, it's been super cool. Thanks, Fred. And, and yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we, we will be making some announcements fairly soon um, on, on, on the 2022 race. And it'll be interesting to see uh, um, what kind of sign up we get because the biggest race to date, 143 starters in, in, in 2019 and uh, 2020, uh, not, not that many. I think this year, almost a hundred starters. So yeah, that hundred mile distance, perhaps taken a little bit of a knock in uh, COVID in terms of how many people are, are, are prepared and up for it. But um, I think moving back out of it uh, and 2022 people moving on with their lives a little bit, certainly what we're hoping for, um, the, the, the future is bright and, and we're looking forward to, to seeing what happens and, and, and encouraging everybody to, we, we see it as your, it has been positioned as, 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 as we've discussed through this as perhaps the first hundred miler on trail people will take on because it's the least scary in that regard. We've, we've, we've done all those things we've chatted about. So so yeah, if, if anyone's listening to this and thinking about it, lean in, take that first step. That was Jack Davis and Andrew Booth from Cockliffe. This is definitely a bucket list race. Put it down on your list, especially if you're looking to do your first trail 100 mile in South Africa. As always, thank you for listening. If you want to know more about Mindful Runner, check us out at mindfulrunner.co.za on Instagram, you can find us at Mindful Runner. In the meantime, enjoy your running, happy trails, and don't forget to subscribe.